welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Wendy Dillard here. Today is Friday, February 23rd, 2018. Happy Friday, everybody. 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. Or well, it's also our second daily dose of happy for the day because I get happy every day doing this. This is great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, no, it's been a good week. We've had a lot of interesting uh, discussions and, and topics to look at and so forth. It's really wide-ranging. I, I think, Wendy, we're actually starting to stretch our muscles, so to speak, because, I mean, we're going all all five co-hosts. And, I mean, we're going in, like, all kinds of directions, and it's fun. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> good. So, the, you know what? That's actually my win for the day now that I think about it. It's like, this has been a good week of shows. This has been great. So there's my win, real quick, but there it is. How about you? You got any good wins well, going on today? Well, I was going to say, before, before we go on to me, you know, like, can you say in what ways maybe one or two oh, feel geez. like you've stretched and grown? Like, well, it, it was fun, for instance, on Tuesday night, Tom Wells uh, shared some of his automatic writing with me, which was really, really good stuff. Um, we had our friends over Wednesday night uh, to dinner, and out of that came some fascinating stuff that led to uh, a topic on Thursday morning with Joel where we explored the role between the law of attraction and homelessness of all things. And that was a really good show. You and I have been doing all this stuff with the law of attraction, uh, the, the basics of the teachings of Abraham. That's been great. Cindy and I started working on money and the law of attraction. I mean, it's actually hard to find a show that wasn't interesting this week because it was all good. Now, are, are you and Cindy? Are you and Cindy doing the book? Yeah, yeah, we're working through the book. Abraham's book. Okay. Basically, okay, awesome. we're doing three books now. You and I are doing this one: Law of Attraction, The Basics. Um, David and I are doing the Emotions book, and Cindy and I are doing the Money book. So, like, we've got three books going from Abraham at the same time. <laughs> That's so cool. I it love is, it. I'm telling you, I this is it. a great week. This is a fantastic week, and it's it's only going to get better. But, wow, this has been really good. So does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, it did. And so for me, like what we're kind of sort of pseudo-titling, you know, Wendy's update on Project X. Mm, yes. Uh, so as I was going to sleep last night, and remember, just as a, a foundational perspective, remember, you know, Anything that you receive internally in your mind, a new thought, something that you weren't thinking on specifically or purposefully, something kind of like a flash or an impulse, that's part of the manifestation because everything that gets manifested in three-dimensional reality starts out as a thought or a feeling and or both. And so last night I was, you know, getting myself tucked into bed and I wasn't, like, ready to fall asleep yet, so I was just kind of sitting up. And all of a sudden, you know, like, okay, like I've said, I think about Project X all the time. <laughs> but all of a sudden, a new aspect popped up, and I just kind of got a glimpse of, like, go look at a calendar. Look at the calendar. And I'm like, okay. And mm -hmm. I thought, can I use my cell phone calendar? And I got, yeah. So I pull open the calendar and you know how I've said in the past, like I got the date April 1st right. was like one significant thing that is part of Project X. Mm -hmm. But then I also knew that there was a secondary piece that would have to precede it. And I have been semi-targeting March 6th right. as the one that would precede it. And all of a sudden, there was just this understanding. Go look and see what the uh, relative time is between today and March 6th. So I counted the days. I'm like, oh my, yes, as of last night, it was 12 days away. And I went, oh my gosh, 12 days feels like Mark, my Project X, the first part of it, is coming really fast. Oh. And for March 6th, the, the thing that I have planned for March 6th, something else is going to have to pop in for March 6th, the date, to actually still sync up with what I plan on doing. Mm hmm but instead of there being a, oh, my God, it's so close, it was more like, oh, my God, it's so close. <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting rather than scary. That's it, good. It was, it, it was very cool, and I just felt it, and I went, it feels so good. It feels so right. Um, and so there was just this, this anticipation of kind of like, you know, uh, remember those Christmas calendars? Where you crossed off each day, right. like how many days left until Christmas? Yep. I just had the sense of let's 
let's cross off each day. So today is uh, day 11 okay. before my March 6th thing happens. And uh -huh. it's like, wow, it's happening so quick. Well, then I looked at how far away is April 1st. Uh -huh. And I looked at that and I went, it's just a little over five weeks. Uh -huh. Five weeks. That, that feels like it's almost tomorrow. Like yeah. it's so close. It's not like months and months away anymore, which is where it was when this started. That's like, oh, time is closing in, and, and I don't feel suffocated by it. I feel exhilarated by it and excited. Like, the fulfillment of, of Project X is absolutely the next logical step. Um, it feels right. It feels comfortable. I don't have, like, creeping doubts or freaking out or anything. Um, and then I was reading – remember how I've talked? This is the kind of – the fulfillment of Project X is not something I can go out and search for. Right. Like you search for a house or a car or a new refrigerator. Mm -hmm. yep. um, this is something where somebody or some things is going to need to find me in order for, for Project X to be fulfilled. And I was reading an article last night. I, I belong to all sorts of different email lists. And I got on this one. If anybody watches Bravo's television show called Million Dollar Listing um, – Los Angeles, there's a real estate guy on there named Josh Flagg. And about a week ago, I I saw a Facebook ad with him, and it said, you know, hey, get my free 40-page book on how you can be a luxury millionaire real estate like me. Mm -hmm. And I felt a real leading to click on it. Oh. Not that I want to be a real estate person, but I follow Josh Flagg. I've read two of his books, um, and there's something about him that just, connected to okay and so i thought all right i'll sign up for the book and whatever and sure, there have been a few highlights in his book that have really resonated with me but yesterday again right before i went to bed i was looking at email and there was an email from josh flag and it clicks through to his blog and i'm reading it and it talks about you know like the mindset of a luxury real estate person hmm. and at the very hmm. end the last paragraph said something to the effect of, notice how I've been talking about how I want you to act or your behavior. But what I've not talked about is how you go out and get clients. And he said, that's on purpose. Because when you do the things that I've shared, he says, people will follow you. You don't have to go find them they will they will come to you. And so just to back up to the beginning of his article, the two key things that he talks about that are really important for people to follow you is to be congruent, which he defines as someone who walks their talk, and be consistent, which he defines as people who are watching you come to know what they can expect because you're so consistent in walking your talk. That's interesting. And I okay. thought consistency and congruency have been always really big, important words for me and totally something that I strive for. And I believe for the most part I am um, congruent that I do walk my talk and I'm consistent. I've always been told by people like, Wendy, you're like clockwork. We know exactly what we can <laughs> expect from you. I used to think that was icky, but now I think it's quite charming. <laughs> well, but I thought, Okay, so I've got the congruence and I've got the consistency down. But the thing that really was big in my awareness was not chasing after things or people, mm, yeah. but letting it come to you. Mm -hmm. And he said, when you, are, when you are confident in who you are and you're congruent and you're consistent, he said, that's an influential factor that's so powerful that people want to follow you and you don't have to go after them. And he was even positioning it like it's a more powerful position to have people follow you versus you going out and trying to find them, which I totally understood. Mm -hmm. And as I read that, it was like, wow, that's what I was supposed to read. And it's so connected with the part of my uh, Project X where I'm findable. I'm discoverable. Somebody's going to find me or somebody's are going to find me. And that kind of connected with I will I will have someone follow me or follow after me. 
Well, it, it's and also it's not about. It's also a connection because when you first announced Project X without giving us any real idea of what it was, you one of the things I remember you saying was, well, if I'm going to be somebody who teaches the law of attraction, I've got to walk my talk. And here mm-hmm. you have somebody who's telling you, walk your talk. I'm thinking, well, geez, if that isn't a direct connection, I don't know what is. <laughs> so that whole experience with feeling led to get on his, his newsletter and then, you know, getting his free book, and now I'm on his newsletter, and then this particular thing popped out at me. This is the kind of thing that I really sense that my inner being continually guides me towards things that are confirming, that provide evidence, and every single day I get another nugget letting me know I'm on the right track, all is well. That's cool. And I love that. I totally love that. So that was today's update. It came at, you know, like the wee hours of the morning. And then I got to tell you, um, I don't know, I guess I fell asleep for a couple hours. But by 3.30, I woke up and my brain would not shut down. Uh-huh. I was just like wired. And I just, I can't even stay in bed. So I got up and went to a recliner and I was in it for about five minutes. I went, oh, I can't even stay. I've got to stand. <laughs> I've got to move. I had so much energy going through my body yeah. that I got up and I vacuumed my downstairs and I dusted <laughs> things. and I pulled things out of boxes. And I mean, I was doing physical work and then I had a snack and then I went back to bed at about six. And I think I fell asleep about quarter till seven. Um, and then I had to be up to work at eight. <laughs> wow. Yeah, But that, I, I just kind of went with the energy. And sometimes what I've come to recognize is when, you know, you're in the, when I'm in the creation process, lots of energy starts to shift and to move. And I, I think last night was just one of those examples where there was so much shifting. My body actually required that I got up and used some of this energy so that it wasn't pent up. Mm. And that, like, as I was moving my body energy – that metaphorically was moving the energy in Project X. Project X. And so I'm like, okay, I'll be up at 3.30 in the morning vacuuming. Not a problem. If that's, what's, if that's what I need to do to keep keep this moving, I'm happy to do it. And now my downstairs is really clean. <laughs> <laughs> this Wendy update brought to you by the amazing cleaners at Wendy's Cleaning Service. <laughs> Well, I I know I said this once upon a time on on a show a long time ago, that what meditation is for other people, you know, sitting in a chair and and monitoring your breathing doesn't work for me very well. But oftentimes when I vacuum or when I'm cleaning house, I'm in a state of meditation. That's where I let go of resistance and I'm just kind of in a space of feeling good because I love cleanliness in my house. (laughs) Okay. Well, Well, that's a good thing, though. That's good. It's even better it than you find a way to, to a nice clean way to uh, outlet that energy you had built up. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I'm kind of shocked that I'm not like half passed over at this point because I probably only maybe got like three hours of sleep and then maybe 45 minutes. <laughs> but I'm still going on the Energizer Bunny today. Yeah, you're running on spiritual energy. That's pretty good. That's something mm-hmm. I've always aspired mm-hmm. to actually to be. Able to, I mean, I, I, I don't try to, you know, fit myself into a particular sleep schedule. I'm trying more and more to just, you know, when I wake up, I wake up and not worry about it till I wake up. Um, which is a nice luxury compared to what it used to be when I had to go work a nine to five. Um, but the whole thing of, you know, just trying to go with, with whatever the flow is, part of the goal there is to just wake up with energy when it's appropriate for me to wake up with energy. And here you are, you're just doing it. <laughs> So once again, I'm jealous, but, you know, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get used to it. Just say, I'll have some of that. I'll have some, I'll have some of that. <laughs> I'll have some of that, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, that's, you know, that's a, what's that? We're, I was going to say, I'd rather inspire you towards something new and exciting than cause you to bless. <laughs> well, that's true. Yes. But uh, I don't think you could actually cause me to sleep less. I mean, you could try, but I don't think it would work. (laughs) So anyway, we are on – we're still in Section 2. And I have a feeling we're going to be in Section 2 for quite some time because we're we're just working through this book in minute detail. And it's really, really good. But we're still in Section 2 of The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham by Esther and Jerry Hicks. 
And we're up to a topic that uh, is, is a very useful example of what Abraham talks about when they talk about their incremental methods for helping us move our emotional set points. This is probably one of the earliest examples that they give. They call it bridging, bridging an unwanted belief. And uh, they actually provide an example. So Jerry says, can you provide an example of what you mean by bridging a belief? <laughs> Do you want to take it from here or shall I? No, you keep going. Okay. So Abraham says, your emotional guidance system works best when you are setting forth continual, deliberate intentions of what you desire. So let us say that you have intended in your workshop perfect health, you visualize yourself as a healthy, vital being, and now you are moving through your day, and while having lunch, you are sitting with a friend who is discussing her own illness. As she speaks about her illness, you find yourself feeling very uncomfortable and uneasy in the conversation. Now, what is happening is your guidance system is indicating to you that that which you are hearing and that which you are thinking, that which your friend is speaking, is not in harmony with your intent. And then you make a very clear decision to stop this conversation from going any further in the direction of illness. And so you attempt to change the subject, but... Your friend is very excited and emotionally drawn to this topic, and she brings the conversation back to her illness. <laughs> oh, I've been in those conversations many times. <laughs> well, again, your guidance system's warning bells begin to ring. Now, the reason you are feeling negative emotion is not only because your friend is talking about something that you do not want. Your negative emotion is your indication that you hold beliefs that are contrary to your own desire. Your friend's conversation merely activated beliefs within you that challenge your desire for wellness. So walking away from your friend and from this conversation will not change those beliefs. That's a big concept. It is necessary that you start right where you are in the midst of that belief and move it gradually, building a bridge, so to speak, to a belief that is more in harmony with your own desire for wellness. Now, that's not the way we normally think about it, is it? We, we normally think about it that I'm having this conversation with my friend, and my friend's going into all this stuff about how sick she is. Oh, no, no, no. She's making me feel so down. And they're saying, no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, so what is well, happening it's like, here? It's not, it's not that the friend is making you feel sick. It's your attention to those sick thoughts. It's the attention, yeah. The thoughts of illness, yeah, that's causing you to feel something negative. That's not the way we're used to thinking about it, though. I mean, we're used to thinking about it in terms of, well, she's making me sick, or he's making me sick, or he's bringing me down. Why do you have to bring me down? <laughs> Agreed, and when a person does not take personal responsibility for how they feel, that would be how one would think. That, that's exactly <laughs> what it is, yeah. But, it's a but if bit you of, want to be a deliberate creator, yeah. you know, we take responsibility for everything we feel and everything that comes into our life. I guess what I'm saying is it's a bit of a wake-up call. Yes. Pretty much. If you're not if you're taking responsibility, I could see that would be a big wake-up call. It is, yeah. So, continuing, it so says... The one, there's one part of this I'm not quite understand. Let's see if you can help me with this. Oh, okay. Um, it says, so walking away from your friend and from this conversation will not change those beliefs. Right. Do you know what those beliefs are referring to? I believe that they refer to the previous your, sentence where it says, your friend's conversation merely activated beliefs within you. So, they, it will not change the beliefs that are within you. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But you're right, that could be a source of confusion. Your friend's conversation merely activated beliefs within you. Right. Yeah. So if I'm believing something that even though I'm working towards wellness and vitality and feeling awesome, etc., if I'm having a conversation with somebody about illness and that conversation all of a sudden causes me to feel unsettled or whatever, it's not the actual words. But, well, it is kind of, sort of. So what I'm getting now is when the other person is talking about illness, it's activating the illness thoughts I have within me that I didn't even realize I still had. Mm, yes. That's, that's what that means. Right. 
And actually, that makes sense when we think about it, because the only reason that we begin to get dragged down by somebody else talking about their illness is we've been sick before. We don't want to go back there. If we had never experienced sickness, we'd be like, well, this is very curious and interesting stuff from an academic point of view. But it's not academic when you've been there. So that's why we have all the old the old memories. We've been there and we stored what are perhaps inappropriate uh, things to store in our subconscious mind. But we stored them. And now we're being drawn back to them. Well, do you remember many shows ago when we were I was tossing around the word superstition and then you to- told me what how you defined it and I said, "Oh, maybe I'm not using it right." I don't, but well, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the fact that you challenged and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you you challenged my definition and how I was using it and it's caused it to be very highlighted in my own awareness. And so when I go about my day and something happens and I get this sense of, oh, this is me being superstitious, I kind of stop and go, oh, wait, do I really mean superstitious? So regardless of the word I'm using, um, I think it kind of fits here that if I'm working towards health in a really powerful way, and that's what I've taken into the creative workshop, and that's what I'm just focusing on, that I want really great health and vitality in my life, and then I talk to somebody who is talking the opposite of what I want, and it makes me feel really uncomfortable. I've noticed that sometimes I have this this sense of, oh, I better jump off this subject really fast, or I'll actually become sick, or whatever we're talking about, that's what's going to be my experience. And I have this sense that, to me, it feels superstitious, kind of like, don't even talk that way. You know how, like, um, and yeah. I can say Jews because I'm Jews. I'm a Jewish on one half of my family. So it's like, you know, where Jews will go, don't say those things. And they'll, like, um, kind of spit in the air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I'm referring to? Well, my, my wife is half Jewish, and I haven't seen her do that, but I'll take your word for it. Okay, they kind of go, they kind of go, like, like they're closing, their hands are trying to close your mouth like like don't let those words out of your mouth okay well that's kind of a that's kind of like a superstition in the jewish community like somebody says something and then a good jew will do that kind of like you quiet quiet like like don't let the demons out (laughs) you don't let anybody know what you're talking about because we don't want to activate that and that's kind of an energy that i've lived with much of my life where if there's something I have great awareness on that I don't want to activate, I kind of have this feeling of superstition. Like if I allow myself to focus on it with any length of time, oh, my God, I'm so powerful. I'm going to bring that horrible thing upon me, which, yes, we are powerful. But I also recognize that instead of trying to clear and relieve myself of that that active belief system, it's like I go into denial of it instead, because that's how I was learned. That that's what Jews do. You go, duh, duh, duh. like duh, 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 duh. don't even talk about that. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand what you mean. And in fact, I, I think you're right. I think there is a superstitious element to that, because I mean, we already know from what Abraham has told us that if you focus on something for at least 17 seconds, you will activate another thought that will come to you that's very similar to the first one and you keep doing that over and over again you know three or four times you'll get up to 68 seconds and now you're starting to manifest something so with that kind of time frame in mind if you if you talk about something for about three seconds the odds of you manifesting that are pretty close to somewhere between you know zip and none it's like you just haven't spent a lot of time on it so reacting like oh god i can't say that is a fear-based thing it's not it's not based on anything about what we really know about how the process works. It's fear. It's I'm afraid, and in the, our fear, we that the fear is actually actually what's activating it. It's not whether or not we're we're talking about it or whether we haven't spit in the air. It's that we're afraid. We're afraid we're going to you know activate it, and so in our fear we activate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's and really so what the root the of last, it. Is. Maybe the last couple, three, four, five days, I've had awareness. Of when I kind of go into that response, Oops, like, I just, ooh, I don't, I, I want to capture this before it goes off into, you know, law of attraction world of manifestation. And what I recognize is that now I'm not even focused on the thing I'm afraid of. I'm really just in this behavior that's 
really resistant. And so the awareness that has come to me is instead of going, oh, I can't, I can't allow myself to think those thoughts, go, go ahead, think that thought. Mm. And when yeah. I do, like I, when I give myself permission to do it, the fear is gone. And I can't remember where I you saw know, it. I saw it in one of the Abraham uh, talks somewhere. I can't remember where it was. But they, they mentioned that we have all these thoughts that go on all day, and, and we get all worked up about you know monitoring all the thoughts and f- so forth. And they point out that most of them don't hang around very long, that you know they're, they're rather fleeting in nature. So most of them don't get any kind of momentum going at all. We and actually think, read that a couple of days ago in the book. Is that what it was? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a key point. It, it, it's like we really only have to be paying attention to our dominant thought patterns. Those are the ones that we need to pay attention to. The ones that just are fleeting, just don't pay attention to them. That's what I'm trying to remind myself. Don't even, you know, okay, so you did. Fine. Let it go. Well, and I guess I'm tying my thought right now to what we just read about, you know, some uh, a friend's conversation of illness. It will activate your own if that thought is within you, if you have some negative beliefs about illness then they can be activated. And that's where I'm saying, you know, instead of like going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm about to activate something and I have to run away from this conversation as quickly as possible, as much, this is what I've been doing lately. I will attempt to exit the conversation, but sometimes you have someone who's just so enthusiastic, they mm-hmm. just keep going. Oh, yeah. So while they're talking, I go inside. I go inside my own thoughts and go, so what is it about this that um, I'm feeling so resistant to? Or how come it scares me to think that if I allow her to keep talking, that somehow I'll, the worst thing in the world is going to happen upon me? And sometimes just by going inside my head and playing with it, mm-hmm. it's like I'm looking at my own concern from a state of neutrality instead of being um, a victim of my own concern. Yeah, if it's especially something that it does make sense. And it's actually somewhat similar to something I do. Um, I am, I I can't say I'm always able to do this, but if it's something where I have developed a enough attention to what it is I want to attract that I'm feeling, starting to feel comfortable with it, I'll actually allow myself to kind of sit there in that listening posture like I'm listening and as this person's going on and on I'm saying inside my my uh, head boy am I glad I'm not you <laughs> boy am I glad that I'm not like that because that's not the way I think at all and I'm smiling ah, yeah yeah and inside saying I, I'm so glad I'm healthy I feel so good this is great I mean I don't care what's what's going on with, with him or what's going on with her at least it's not me, thank God it's not me. That Literally, that's what goes on in my head in those situations. Now, like I said, do I do that every time? No. I mean, it has to be something that I have developed some degree of confidence about. But if I have, I use it. I leverage it. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> it really works. So, But uh, the, the bridging concept, which is what we're taking this from, is for those situations mm-hmm. where you haven't quite gotten that far, you haven't got that level of confidence, the way of, of helping you get to that, that better level. So let's get okay. back to that. It says, uh, let's see, where were we? Oh, yes. It is helpful whenever you feel negative emotion to stop and acknowledge what you were thinking about when the negative emotion surfaced. Whenever you feel negative emotion, it is always telling you that whatever you are thinking about is important and that you are thinking about the opposite of what you really desire. So, questions such as, what was I thinking about when this negative emotion surfaced? And what is it that I do want regarding this? Will help you realize that you are in this moment focused in direct opposition to what you really want to attract into your experience. For example, what was I thinking about when this negative emotion surfaced? I was thinking about this being the flu season, and I was remembering how very sick I had been in the past with the flu. Not only did I miss work, I, I don't even want to read this. <laughs> Not only did I miss work and many other things that I wanted to do, but I felt miserable for so many days. What is it that I do want? Well, I want to remain healthy this year. 
but merely saying I want to remain healthy is usually not sufficient under those circumstances because your memory of having the flu and of therefore your belief about the probability of getting the flu are much stronger than your desire to remain well. We would attempt to bridge our belief in this way. This is usually the time of year I get the flu. I don't want to get the flu this year. I hope I don't get the flu this year. It seems like everybody gets it. Well, that may be an exaggeration. Everyone doesn't get the flu. In fact, there have been many flu seasons when I didn't get the flu. I don't always get the flu. You can see how it's transitioning here. It's possible mm -hmm. that this flu season could come and go without touching me at all. I like the idea of being healthy. Now, those past flu experiences came before I realized that I can control my experience. Now that I understand the power of my own thoughts, things have changed. And now that I understand the power of the law of attraction, things have changed. It isn't necessary for me to experience the flu this year. It, it isn't necessary for me to experience anything I don't want. It's possible for me to direct my thoughts toward things I do want to experience. I like the idea of guiding my life to things I do want to experience. And now you have bridged the belief. If a negative thought returns, and it may continue to do so for a while, just guide your thoughts more deliberately, and eventually it will not come up again. It's a cool concept. Wow. It is a cool concept. Have you ever used it or, or done it that way? Not a lot, but I have at times. Um, I found that I I would use that most often earlier when I was trying to learn how to move my emotional set point earlier on. Like, I didn't know how to do it, so from my perspective, I felt like I was just kind of stumbling my way out of negative. <laughs> and in a sense, I guess that's what you're doing, right? But it, but that's what it felt like. So let's see, what was it? Can I remember any particular thing that I was like addicted to in a sense? Um, hmm. Let's say, well, what? Uh, finances, okay. Um, early on, I could have been saying things like, uh, I'm so deeply in debt. I don't see how this debt's going to go away. Uh, my job prospects look terrible. I can't seem to get any work in for my, my work at home business. Nothing's going well. You know, and, and that's the way my, my thought process would go. So I had to like change that. And so I, I like try blindly trying things. Okay. I know I've got to change the thought process. So I'm thinking inside, oh, nothing's going right. Nothing's going right. The debt's there and all that kind of thing. Well, I got to change it over to being wealthy. No, that's too far. I can't go that far. Uh, well, I got to find some way to get out of this because I know that I don't want to go down that path if I keep focusing on all that negative stuff that's going to be in the wrong direction. So let's see, what's in the other direction? Well, the other direction is where business comes in. Where's the business going to come from? I have no idea. Well, maybe it's not up to me to know. Okay, it's not up to me to know. So somehow business is going to start coming in. I don't know how it's going to come in. doesn't matter. I, I, I just know somehow it's going to come in. How do I know? Well, I don't, but I'm trying to convince myself. I just do stuff like that. I'd be stumbling around. Now, was it the perfect little sequence there? No, but I was like fighting my way out. And eventually, I would get myself to, well, you know, it's not like I have to get all the business at once. I mean, if I got some business in, that would start improving things. Well, I can kind of imagine myself getting some business in. And then some business would start to come in. I'd say, oh, I got some business in. Well, if I did it once, I could do it again. And then I get a little more business in. Oh, well, if that came in, I can get a little bit more. That's that's the way I would fight my way out. But it, it would take me a while. I couldn't just go through the nice, smooth transition they did there. I had to, like, fight my way through it. Well, and let's remember, they're Abraham. Yeah, they're really good at it. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say the what you just did, the bridging, was incredibly awesome. Oh, it well, thank you. It was really, really quite fabulous. Um. I mean, I think I do it, but I don't think I've ever paid attention to the fact that I do it. I've always called it a story um, because I heard Abraham, I think, doing this thing, you know, bridging the beliefs with people. And they called it your story, you know, and they would take somebody, the story that somebody was telling that went down a negative road. And they would start to reframe it very gently, kind of in the same way until they kind of helped a person be inspired to a new way of thinking. And I mean, Abraham does that quite often. Um, and so I think it's kind of the same concept. And I just called it a story. It's like telling a better story. And so I, I couch it in the terms of how can I tell a better story mm -hmm. versus the story that I'm telling about what is right now that I don't like. Which is a good way to do it. Because you are trying you to, know. you're trying to frame a new story. In fact, 
I, mm-hmm. I I can't say I've done enough with this, but I want to spend more time uh, first outlining and then fleshing out a new version of not just my future story and and my present story, but even my past story. I want to rewrite it so that my the the, the stuff that's you know stinging from the past just kind of gets not washed away, but smoothed out so that it no longer stings and maybe even changed a little bit to look at it from a different perspective. So I can see the silver lining instead of the black cloud. And it's not, it's not a project I've done yet, but I do have at least a beginning of an outline and I want to, Oh, I think I'm saying this on live on the podcast in order to get myself to commit to, okay, I'm going <laughs> to sit down and start doing this and start doing it regularly, you know, because it's not something you can do overnight. You have to do it in, in little pieces over time. Otherwise you never do it. And mm-hmm. so that's what I'm trying to get myself to do. <laughs> I, I would say as I experience certain things coming into my life that I didn't like, and I kind of looked at, okay, how can I shift this and change this vibration so it's not what I don't want and I, it's more what I do want. Little by little, um, as I was doing that, I found some of the pieces were in my past, you know, in my childhood. And I could say I've done enough of them now that when I think about my childhood, I think in terms of I was so fortunate that I was born to the parents that I was born to, which let me tell you, that's a big shift from where I used to come from, Mm. because they helped set up opportunities for me through all sorts of uh, mishaps, if you will, where I took things the wrong way, I, I misinterpreted things, I took things personally, I, I felt judged, and all these different things that on the surface I felt really hampered by growing up. But today I'm so pleased for it because I won. I would not become the woman that I am today without having those contrasting experiences. But I can see in each one of the contrasting experiences how I developed a specific characteristic that today is part of my arsenal of positivity. It's part of the arsenal that I have in a strong, powerful, confident belief in who I am. And I know all of the, all of the things that I see in my life today that I really appreciate really came from um, contrasting experiences as a very young person. That today I could say, well, I've overcome those, and I look back on them. I would not ask for those things not to have happened because they made me who I am, and I like who I am. And I don't have any negative feelings towards either of my parents. You know, they weren't out to get me. They did the best that they could. And there were some things that for a long time I stayed stuck in feeling bad about it, but that was only because I didn't know I didn't have to feel bad. And that there was a way out. And today I'm living in the way out. I'm out. (laughs) That's very good. And so it's like the story of my childhood now is one of happiness instead of, I mean, oh, my gosh, from the time I was in my 30s for at least a good 15, 20 years, I thought my past had doomed me because, unfortunately, that's what happened when I went to therapy and I was in the recovery movement and I was in group therapy and all sorts of therapy, therapy, 12-step programs, more therapy, (laughs) reading self-help books. And they all led me to, you know, your parents are the culprits. Blame them. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so I was stuck in that for so long. And it was like the, the message from Law of Attraction is, buddy, take ownership of it. Be Take control of your life. Got to tell you, I love the word control because I was a big-time control freak, mm. and I wanted to control as many things as I possibly could. And to me, it was good news to be responsible for my own reactions and my own everything. Even if it meant I couldn't blame my mother or father anymore, I found that there was going to be some really good stuff coming out of taking charge of all of it for myself because then I could change it, and I did. I not only changed my today energy, but I changed how I look at my past. That's very good. And it's all good. Yeah, it's all that's very, very good. good. I, I have to say, too, I as I was thinking about it, and as you were talking about your uh, reflection back to your own childhood, I have actually managed to not physically rewrite, but in my mind do some rewriting about stuff. And it was some pretty important stuff for me. Like, for instance, um, I was 
I was usually not terribly happy in school. I was I was pretty good at school, but I was not happy in it. And I developed quite a bit of resentment that stuck with me for a number of years after graduating from college. That uh, you know, basically my my years were of, of youth were wasted by a system that you know didn't let me to didn't let me study what I wanted to study, didn't let me do what I wanted to do, instead wasting my time on all the stuff that was useless to me. That, I mean, that was the way I felt about so much of it. But the good side of that was that it helped me develop the motivation to help create an alternative school where kids get to do exactly what I wanted to do, which was to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> not, not, not that I, they had to do what yeah. I did, but they got to do what they wanted to do. And that was quite an achievement. That was a, a really important thing that I probably would not have been able to pull off if I had not had that experience. So you know, I what? totally agree. That that that's a good thing. That's a really good thing that happened. Because you know, if you don't have a negative experience with something, if you don't have a negative lean on some subject, then when somebody comes up and tells you, "Hey, I have the solution for this thing you didn't even know was a problem," you kind of go, "Okay." Next. And you have no real, no response to it, yeah. you know, and they're like, hey, will you sign this petition, you know? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, come to the rally. Well, no, 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 thank you. I don't feel strongly enough about it that I care to do that. You know, exactly. I might sign your petition if it makes you happy. But <laughs> yeah, it's right. like, unless something really touches you in a way yes. that is meaningful, we don't get on board with stuff. That's right. You know, we can try to talk someone into something, and they may have bought it for a minute or two, but it's not something that they're going to stick with. But if you have somebody who has had a really big experience that has touched their life in a negative way, then when somebody talks about something on that same subject, your ears perk up. You're interested. You get involved because that's part of what you've experienced. Yes. But exactly. when you haven't experienced something and you've had no negative experience whatsoever and somebody talks about, oh, you need to help so-and-so, you kind of go, all right, why? You know, what's up? And so that, to me, is the huge value of contrast. Oh, yes. Huge value. Yes. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, like, like I'm not there completely there yet. This is part of things that are still under development in my life. But I started gaining weight when I was four years old. And, you know, I went through puberty and, you know, junior high feeling awkward and fat and unattractive. And it didn't get any better as I got older. And I have such a, I had so many negative experiences being overweight that I today have such a powerful desire to not only flip it in my life so that that is no longer an issue, but I have such a desire to be able to share with others um, how to move through it the way I have. Mm. And so far, the way I'm moving through it is by changing my thoughts. I'm using, I'm literally using law of attraction to change everything about my body, my perception about my body, how I eat, how I don't eat, how I move, how I don't move, you know, what I think about how weight comes on versus not. It's like that has been a continual um quest to understand but i'm no longer into the pain of it now i'm really in the joyful part of it because i'm seeing how when i shift my energy when i shift my focus i feel good about me and i see the scale changing and i see you know i i experience how i feel different in my clothes and even if i'm at the exact same weight and in the exact same size as I was at another part of my life, I feel so much better about me today. And that's because of law of attraction. That's because I'm purposely finding better, better feeling thoughts. And because this is an issue that has consumed me for over 50 years, you better believe when people talk about weight issues, my ear, my, my ears perk up and my eyeballs are big. No, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, where other people who have never experienced a weight issue, they're like, uh huh, whatever, and then I go, yeah, I have a, I have a grandmother who was overweight, <laughs> but it has like no real emotional impact on them. Yeah. Where for me, I'm very emotionally invested in this topic, but I've purposefully 
and deliberately shifted my attention from a negative slant on it to a very positive one because I know that anything I desire, law of attraction has the wherewithal to deliver to me. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like I'm just focused on, oh, I want to be thin, I want to be thin, I want to be thin. It's, it's so much more than that. I've asked so many more deep, deep questions to really get under what this is about. And I have really found how so many parts of my life are connected to this. So many parts of my life. I mean, because I understand what it feels like to be shunned. I feel what, I know what it feels like to feel unworthy. All sorts of things because I was overweight. And today I look at that and go, good for me. Look at all the good things that came out of just this one giant thing in my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all really very positive. And, you know, if I say I can't wait to be on the other side of it, that's really kind of an over-exaggeration because I'm really enjoying the journey as I'm moving toward greater health, vitality, and thinness. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's kind of fun. That's pretty good. I mean, the fact is that – Oh, what's that? I was going to say five years ago, I never in a million years would have believed I've ever would have said it's fun to be on the journey yeah. of working towards health and vitality and thinness. I would have been like, are you kidding? Just get there already. Because I was so disgusted by it. <laughs> but I'm sure. not anymore. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, well, that's totally understandable. And, and, and as you were describing all that, too, it, boy, it just really came home to me just how big emotion plays a role in any of these kinds of things that we run into that are negative experiences. I mean, we know that we have negative emotions associated with them and that the emotions are indicators of, you know, okay, this is something we want to say no to. We want to get our emotions over to something to say yes to and so forth. But boy, oh boy, all of what you described in that, that little talk that you gave there was about the emotional impact and it was big. It came through just how huge the emotional impact on you has been. And, boy, it just, I don't know how to describe it. It just reinforced for me, emotions are huge. I mean, they're they're much bigger than I ever thought they were. I always thought they were just emotions. You know, I, I didn't realize that they play such a gigantic role in everything that goes on in our lives. They, they aren't, I always thought of them as just the the after effect. Does that make mm. sense? They were just, they, they were just what happened after. They were the effect. I never thought of them as right. a cause. You didn't uh, see them as significant. They just were. Yeah. That's about yeah. it. And now I'm beginning to understand, my God, they're the driving force. They're mm-hmm. the thing that make everything and, you know, happen. I, I have to tell you, a big part of how I was able to switch my thinking on having been overweight for so many years in my life, because there was a time I resented the hell out of it and felt like I had wasted my life being overweight and focusing on it and being consumed by it and obsessed by it. And I recognize now that because Abraham talks about every time you feel any kind of negative emotion on the thing you don't want, you are putting yet another heap of what you do want in your vortex. Mm -hmm. And to the equal extent that you have intensity about something you don't want, that's how fulfilled you will be on the do want side. True. And I'm thinking, if I've spent 50-plus years being unhappy about something with such great intensity, oh, my gosh, my vortex is so filled with just the satisfaction and fulfillment of such vitality in my body, where I love my body in so many different ways that I've never been able to experience it before. I'm like, oh, it's going to be big. It's big now. I mean, it's exciting. It's like, wow. So the worse you felt, to that extent, you will feel good. So I'm like, okay, I've had a lot of really bad emotions (laughs) and really a lot of pain over things in my life. And now I get excited about it because that's how passionate I can be on the flip side. I'm trying to think what an appropriate analogy is for that. And I, and one is is I, I, I'm not getting one is escaping me, but it's going to be something like uh, it's going to be like a charge building up building up in a in some sort of electronic assembly, and it builds up 
to a level it's ever that's bigger than it's ever built up before and produces this incredible surge of something that comes out of it. And I don't even know what the thing is. I can't I can't piece together a good analogy, but all I can think is it's just building this huge charge. And it's a charge that is gigantic. It's just it's it's so large it's unimaginably large. So that when it finally discharges, it's going to be like a fireworks show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was following that. That's kind of where I was going. It's like huge firework display. It's huge. Wow. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't know that I can find like the appropriate metaphor that would go with that either. But like, I feel it. I sense it. Um, I mean, maybe that's all we get for today. Is is just the feeling. Because to me, there's such a vastness of from one extreme to the other. It's big. It's very big. Well, all I know is that the more we've talked about that, the more I am gaining a greater and greater appreciation for just how powerful emotions are. They're way more powerful than I ever realized. There is more power isn't in emotions than, than in almost anything, actually. <laughs> isn't that the, one of the titles of their books, The Astonishing Power of Emotions? It is. Well, that's the one that, that David and I are talking about. But uh, I have to admit, up until now, I kind of dismissed the astonishing part. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, that's, just, get it. that's a cute title, you know. That was about the extent of it. Like, oh, that's a good title. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that would sell some books. But you know what? <laughs> you don't get it until you get it. Until you get it, And when it, you yeah. get it, you got it. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I was taught don't trust your emotions. They will fail you. They will take you in the wrong direction. Um, just don't trust in your emotions. So I didn't for like many, 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 many years. And then when I caught a hold of how, how very vitally important our emotions are, it's like, I have such an appreciation for feelings today because there was a time I didn't feel at all. At least I probably did, but I wasn't aware of them because I just denied them. Yeah, exactly. And now, I, I mean, you listen to the first part of every show. I live my life by the feelings that come to me, by the internal sensations and impulses that come out of me. I live my life by them. And yet at one time, they were the very things I denied. Now, mm. there is a perfect example of how contrast has served me well. I was taught to deny the very things that give me the vitality of life today. And I had so much appreciation for it because I had denied it for so long. Mm, yeah. Now there's one extreme to another. No, oh, big extreme. Yeah. In fact, as you're describing that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, this this whole movement toward appreciating emotion and, and what you talked about, about how you were basically taught that, you know, emotions will, will lead you wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, the first part is that you were taught that the emotions would lead you wrong. And, and I'm thinking to myself, who were the people who were doing the teaching? Oh, yeah. They were the same ones who were setting you up for situations where you would feel bad, which, if you followed, would lead you to wrong. Well, in a weird sense, they were right. And they were creating it. <laughs> they were teaching it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the irony of that was just like raining all over me. <laughs> well, I, to me, one of my like ironic things was, you know, I grew up in a belief system where I was being taught things that honestly didn't always feel congruent to me. Sometimes it felt very hypocritical, like, but I could swear you're telling me to do this on one side, but over here do something completely different. And it's like, how do you know which one is right? And how can they both be right? And I had, I mean, I was a kid with a ton of questions. Like, I'm an adult today with a ton of questions. Well, but some things don't change. <laughs> when, I'd ask, when I'd ask somebody to kind of help me sort through these things that didn't feel like they were working for me, I would be told, well, don't trust your feelings. And I'm like, okay. And you know what? It's funny because I didn't trust my feelings. And I, I did follow the crowd. And I did deny them for a long time. And yet the perfect, beautiful irony in the whole thing is what caused me to, like, leave that belief system was a feeling. I felt like there's something wrong with what I'm hearing because you cannot talk out of two sides of your mouth. There is too much inconsistency here, and it just 
felt like I couldn't live with that any longer. Oh, yeah. I had such a deep, powerful feeling inside that if I couldn't live in a congruent world, just blow me up now because <laughs> I just couldn't go there anymore. Yeah. I had to find congruence inside of me. And it was like this feeling that was bubbling up within me that I had been repressing, suppressing, pushing down, denying for so long until finally, you know, that metaphor you were looking for that like you push it down so far and eventually it will like explode. Mm -hmm. I exploded. You did. I exploded in a way that said, I, I cannot live within this set of paradigms anymore. Mm. They don't work for me, no. and I need to go to where I'm freer, where I can think new thoughts and where I can live a congruent life. And ironically, and the they don't work for anybody I, else either. <laughs> That's the thing that really gets me. They don't uh, work for anybody else. They don't work for anyone. <laughs> I mean, just can't, you know? I, I, I mentioned uh, before the whole thing about my, my big deal about school and how I didn't like school. One of the things I didn't like, you, you could apply the same thing I'm going to describe to almost anything that happened when you were a kid, but for me it was in school. In school, you were supposed to behave a certain way, right? You weren't supposed to display certain behaviors. You weren't supposed to decide that you wanted to go run when the rest of the class was sitting down. You weren't supposed to do all these things. And if you especially felt something different from what the teacher wanted you to be thinking about, feeling about, then you were supposed to keep that to yourself. And then you'd come home from school, and they'd ask you, so what happened at school? And there wasn't a whole lot that happened that you liked, so you said, nothing. And they said, well, there must have been something that happened. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> Did you have a fun day at school? Well, you're not allowed to say that you don't like something, right? So, right. <laughs> so you'd say, uh, it was okay. <laughs> And there you are in the process, there I am anyway, in the process of learning how to cover up my feelings. The one thing and that so, is the most unhealthy thing for me to do, I'm being taught to do it right there, right then. How did you know that you shouldn't or couldn't say, no, I didn't have fun today at school? Well, because it was a general rule. You, you were supposed to agree with whatever the parent wants you or whatever the teacher wants you or whatever the adult wants you to agree with. And you're not supposed to disagree with that. Did you ever say, no, I had a horrible time, and you got reprimanded for it? Uh, there were times where, when I was quite young, I'm sure I did something like that. I, when I got to be above seven or eight years old, I didn't. I pretty much learned by then, don't do that. And I couldn't tell you exactly what had happened when I was younger. I just, I'm sure I must have. But by that point, well, I was learning how to couch things. I was learning how to shade it, you know? Well, because I think a lot of the rules that we grow up with were never actually spoken. I think a lot of it is something we feel and we take in through our, through our senses, and that becomes an active vibration within us. But we never, like, it would be interesting if it was possible to go back and re redo your life and see, did anybody ever actually say to you, Walt, do not say that. You need to agree with us that if we say, did you have a happy day, you must say, yes, I had a happy day. <laughs> Chances are that probably never happened. I mean, you could probably have. not, not that directly. But anyway. I think, yeah, some of the strongest um, vibrations we receive, we never receive through words. Well, we, we yeah, we learned the pattern. I think energy because if, if the pattern is repeatedly, basically, you you know, it, the the correct answer is whatever makes me feel happy. So give me whatever makes me feel happy and I'll tell you it's the correct answer. Then you learn that. You learn it pretty quick. You learn that's mm -hmm. that's how you get you know you have some chance of getting what you want out of life. And uh I mean, it's totally a Pavlov dog scenario. Yeah, oh yeah. Which is you give an answer that people like, you will be rewarded for it. And if you give an answer that people don't like, you will feel the repercussions of it. It might just be a stare, it might be a glare, you know or it might not be praise at all, but it's like you take in the information. Yep, don't do that one again. And I can't do this one again either because I just realized we have 20 seconds left. Wendy, it's been great. I hope you have a great weekend. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> Let's right. do it. Bye, right. everybody. <laughs> we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.